This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, April 15th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. The IRS is now easing up on its plan to go after decades-old benefit overpayments from people who may be dead by seizing the tax refunds of their adult children. It goes against everything we know about how statutes of limitations are supposed to work. The strange power was granted in a recent farm bill. Walter Olson is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. We spoke just before the IRS pared down its plans. The IRS, much to the surprise of many, many taxpayers, is attaching people's refunds. It is sending them a smaller check or no check at all on the grounds that the government is owed that money, uh, not necessarily by the taxpayer himself or herself, but because it's a so-called overpayment, which may have been an overpayment to their parents. Their parents who may be dead. Yes, their parents who often are dead. Now, the government is taking the position, and it can point to a recently enacted um, provision in federal legislation, that there is no longer any statute of limitations whatsoever on their ability to claw back so-called overpayments. And overpayments are money that was paid out under uh, certain programs. The one that's most relevant for the controversy is uh, Social Security, survivorship, things like that, in which Checks were sent out and perhaps they found afterward that uh, the person uh, had stopped being eligible or for whatever reason, the check should have been smaller, shouldn't have been sent. And their position is that they can not only proceed against the person they sent the check to, but also to any children, even if completely grown up now, who were supported with that money. So uh, <laughs> it, it, it seems unbelievable, I know. And if the Washington Post had not exhaustively reported it in a, in a front page article um, uh, a week or two before tax day, we would still not believe that it was actually happening. But uh, they introduced a woman from su- suburban Washington who was fighting the government over this. And uh, it was an overpayment to her mother. Uh, she has ironically um, uh, worked for the federal government herself for, for ages. All of a sudden, her tax refund doesn't come to her. And uh, she is the eldest child. And this turns out to be relevant because the government explains that in their methodology, even their madness has its own methodology. Um, they, When there were multiple kids being brought up on one of these overpaid checks from 30, 40 years ago, uh, they say that they will go after the eldest first uh, and see if they can collect it from that person. I, I, and so she, this poor lady is the eldest in um, among her siblings, so she got hit. When you die, you're, unless somebody's co-signed on one of your debts, it goes away, including like student loan debts and things like that. It's one of the things we all thought we knew from the basics of American law and American um, uh, you know, personal responsibility is that the debt collectors who may have had a legitimate debt to collect from our parents can't go after us. And that's still right if they are private debt collectors. The government, however, has just set itself up with different rules. When my accountant tells me or I read basic advice about my taxes every year, they say keep three years of your returns on hand. And, and that's a, the, that's a the standard number may vary, rule. But they have uh, typically been taking the federal government's own advice about how long to keep financial records. Now, one of the tremendous, uh, amazing landmines of this current situation is that people like this poor lady in uh, Maryland uh, going back to try to establish what was and wasn't paid and whether or not she got any of it uh, 
it's way back beyond the number of years the government itself advises you to keep your financial records. Yeah, even even if you accept the idea right. that a child could be liable <laughs> for the debts of their dead parents and, and debts that may have been erroneously issued by the government, even if you accept that, you cannot tell people decades later, it seems, that, well, we're sorry you didn't keep those records and now whatever our opinion is is what goes. Well, that is what they seem to be asserting. And some taxpayers are going to court to – and indeed, some taxpayers have begun beating them in court. The problem is if they are trying to grab $3,000 or $5,000, you know what lawyers cost. Most people find that it's not worth fighting. And you mentioned a bit of logic that it's really worth going back to, to dwell on. The federal government's position is that every check they sent for uh, dependent children or survivorship, the check went to the parents and their position, it was totally spent for the benefit of the children uh, who now should be responsible for it. Now, in practice, uh, you know, parents often spent that money on other things, uh, even if they had spent it on uh, feeding and, and, and housing the children. Uh, it isn't as if it had been and saved as an inheritance that has been tucked away in some bank account, they ate it if, if it was going for food. And again, in the private sector, and the government is arrogating powers to itself that it would never think of giving private debt collectors. But with private debt collection, even if everyone agrees that money was lent to the parents to feed their children, there's still no claim against the children. The United States has uh, a great bankruptcy system. You can't pay your debts, you file for bankruptcy and you get a clean slate. Uh, it doesn't seem that anybody involved in this situation – and I, I don't – I shouldn't be held liable for my parents' debts anyway. Like in, in, in any conception of what that means within the, within the system of United States law, it just doesn't the seem The law doesn't has follow. statute of limitation for a good reason. Now, let's assume that someone got an inheritance from their parents and that inheritance is still sticking around. The law, for very good reason, uh, provides a period of objection in which people who think they have a claim against the estate of the dead parent have to step forward and say, uh, here's why we think the estate owes money. Otherwise, it's put to rest so life can continue without uh, you know, possibly reopening old questions. Now, one of the wider lessons of this, I've been banging away in, in my, at this in my writing for years, is that statutes of limitation were developed by all civilized legal systems for very good reason. They are humane. They prevent injustice. They prevent society from collapsing into a civil war of all against all. Stop abolishing statutes of limitation. But there was money in it. Someone noticed in the bureaucracy is the most likely place because that's what the uh, net <clears throat> The, the hint is the the Washington Post said that it could not track down how that provision got slipped into a farm bill. Think about it, a farm bill a couple of years ago. But it, it probably emanated from the bureaucracy. Um, it involves hundreds of millions of dollars in recollections. They have already collected some hundreds of millions of dollars and uh, they expect to uh, launch a lot more over the next year. Who is fighting this? Up to now, it has mostly been individual bewildered taxpayers comparing notes <laughs> saying, how could this be happening? But as the pattern emerged, what was happening? I think the lawyers began comparing notes with each other and some people began winning who on the principle of the thing were because there was a lot of money involved actually went to court about it. And in a 
sane political system, you know, some of the first questions that would be raised are who put this in uh, and could they please explain whether they saw this coming uh, by lifting the 10-year statute of limitations? Uh, who asked for it to happen? Uh, do they regret it? But Congress is just sitting there like a potted palm, uh, you know, unwilling to uh, take any responsibility whatsoever. But it's Congress that put this in. So this is worse, arguably, than the IRS giving itself the power to, say, license tax preparers or giving itself the power to, say, um, decide that certain subsidies ought to be put into place uh, through the Affordable Care Act. It, it's worse than so many other things, and it's worse because it's an assault on due process. The uh, when you lift a statute of limitations and make it retroactive so that claims that had become defunct are revived, you are doing the civil equivalent of an ex post facto law. Now, I won't get into the big jurisprudence about you know they can do it on the civil side and they can't do it on the criminal side, but everyone's basic fairness, sense of fairness is outraged when the government uh, loses a roll of the dice and says, I get to roll again and keep rolling until I win. That's what's happened here. And people, I think, are quite rightly outraged more at uh, tax collectors' trampling of due process, even if the amounts are small, than by gray areas where they might have uh, you know, legitimate disagreements about how someone calculated their taxes. Uh, who thought this was legitimate? If, if anyone thought this was legitimate, they still haven't stepped forward. Walter Olson is a senior fellow with the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.